Hello, I'm Michael Timmons, your door-to-door storyteller, and I'd like to give you a story. This story is called The Summons by John Peterson. For a 28-year-old, Ray had gone far in the six years he worked for Metro Food Services, a large company that sold packaged food products to the restaurant trade. One of the keys to the firm's success was the merchandising department where Ray worked. Metro was known for clever and innovative ideas that restaurants could use to promote the Metro line of goods to their customers. Ray was very bright, and he was also an inventive thinker. His boss liked to say that Ray thinks outside the box, which, though a tired cliché, accurately described the young man's thought processes. He had rapidly progressed from assistant product manager to senior supervisor, a position he had now held for a year and a half. Ray's private life was humming along as well. He had a lovely wife, a comfortable condo in a friendly neighborhood, and a baby on the way. The couple's only problem was that Becky's pregnancy was a troubled one, but they hoped for the best and refused to worry. Ray belonged to a health club. He had played tailback on his college football team, and he kept himself in top condition getting up early every morning to lift weights and run on the indoor track. He was just leaving his club one brisk September day when a stranger dressed in a long cloak appeared directly in his path. You are Raymond Fielding, the man said. The king summons you. The king? Ray said. What king? I don't know any king. Then his mind cleared. I will return for you at three o'clock, the man said. In the intervening hours, you will arrange your affairs. Ray started to reply, but the man, without another word, turned abruptly and hurried away. Ray went home. He found Becky in the kitchen. I've been summoned by the king, he said. Well, you'll have to go then, she said. The king might want me to go on some sort of mission or quest. Ray said. I could be away for days or months. Who knows? Maybe years. And Becky, it could be dangerous. I hope and pray it isn't that kind of summons, she said. But if it is, well, you're the most resourceful man I know. You'll pull it off, whatever it is. Ray's boss was quick to assure him that they would all row just a bit harder in his absence. The stranger in the long cloak was waiting for him in a Jeep Wrangler. Neither man spoke during the drive, which took something more than three hours. Ray noticed that what had looked like a rocky bluff when viewed from a distance was now, as they approached, looking more and more like a castle. They passed over the drawbridge and under the portcullis, and the driver parked the Jeep in the courtyard. Ray followed him into the castle and was soon standing before the throne. The king had a surprisingly young face, ringed with thick curls of the whitest hair that Ray had ever seen. The only other person present was a bent and wrinkled old man who was sitting in a chair at the king's right hand. Raymond Fielding, the king said, I have summoned you to a task. The dragon Rodrum has escaped confinement. He is devouring my people, and incinerating their property with his fiery breath. I could send an army against him, but he would destroy the army 
Therefore, I am sending you. As modern weapons have no effect on this enemy, you will be outfitted with mail, a shield, a helmet, and pikestaff, and you'll have the use of my very own sword. Those who have slain dragons in the past have fended off the serpent's flames with the shield, and then when the dragon rushed upon them, they have impaled it on the pikestaff and thrust the sword into his heart. Will you accept this task? Yes, your majesty, Ray said. Ray clambered with difficulty into the jeep. He was weighted down by his suit of mail, and he moved stiffly and clumsily. He drove off across the desert, following the directions to the dragon's lair. It was easy enough to spot a large cave in the side of a mountain. He parked the jeep under a clump of trees where he could not be seen from the air or from the cave, and then he simply waited. Just before sunset, he saw the dragon and heard the beating of its wings. It flew over him, heading straight for the cave. It was enormous. Its body was the size of an elephant, and adding to that bulk were the long barbed tail, the snake-like neck capped with the dragon's huge head, and the immense bat-like wings. With every breath, great clouds of smoke belched from the creature's nostrils and mouth. Ray shook his head and shrugged. Then he slowly and quietly shed his armor, which left him dressed comfortably in the clothing he had worn at the office. Chinos, a sweater, and sneakers. He sat still until midnight. Then, taking nothing but the sword, he walked to a nearby pond and immersed himself in its water. And soaking wet, he made his way quietly to the mouth of the cave. If dragons don't sleep, he thought, I'm a goner. But the dragon was sleeping. Ray positioned himself and swung the sword at the dragon's neck with all of his strength. The dragon awoke, turned its head, and fixing its terrible red eyes on Ray, breathed fire. At the instant the sword cut into the dragon's neck, Ray was engulfed in flames. His face and hands stung with pain. Yet he saw now that the dragon had fared far worse. The sword had cut halfway through its neck. Ray stepped forward, grabbed the sword hilt, and dealt the dragon another powerful blow. The monster's legs collapsed, and its head rolled on the floor of the cave. What trophy have you brought me, Raymond Fielding? The king asked. A dragon's tooth, sir, Ray answered. Your people will find the dragon's treasure trove in his lair. Heal him, the king said to the old man in the chair. The old man held out both hands towards Ray and said, Be healed. Instantly, the pain from the burns was gone. What reward shall he have? The king asked. One day's good fortune and good luck, the old man said. So be it, the king said. Now Raymond Fielding, 
Before I summoned you, you were not aware that I was your king. And now that you have completed your task, you and your colleagues and your wife will not remember your summons. And you will again forget that you have a king. It is best that way. Raymond couldn't help thinking that one day of good luck was rather a thin reward. But as he walked through the entrance of Metro Food Services, he had already forgotten that the promise had been made. Good news, Becky said when he phoned home. I saw the doctor today, and he says I'm completely out of danger. The baby will go full term, and he expects no more problems of any sort. Carl Hastings suddenly resigned, Ray's boss said. He's been offered an important government job in Washington. The board has met, and everybody agrees that despite your tender years, you are the right man to take his place. You'll make vice president in a year or so. Now go home and celebrate with that beautiful wife of yours. On his way home, Ray stopped at a liquor store to buy a bottle of champagne. The cashier looked at Ray's $50 bill. Do you have anything smaller? She asked. No, I don't, Ray said. But I'll tell you what. There's a big jackpot drawing tonight. Just give me my change in lottery tickets. You just listened to The Summons by John Peterson, read to you by your door-to-door storyteller, Michael Timmons. Thank you for listening. Used by We Are One Body Audio Theater, with the permission of the licensor, granted under a copyrighted license agreement. A production of We Are One Body Audio Theater.